let's spend maybe two sessions on James 4, 13 to 16, which is probably one of the most powerful statements in the whole Bible about the pride of man and the providence of God. Before I read it to you, and I've broken it out here just because, that is, I've divided these up like that just because these are three units within this text. Before I read it to you, let me give you the wider context. The context really is about pride and arrogance. For example, if we move upwards to, say, 4, 8 to 10, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. You purify your heart, you, you double-minded Be wretched, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So humility, being done with pride and being humble is the issue. Or next paragraph concludes like this in 4.12. There's only one lawgiver and judge and he is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So you can hear pride behind this. Who do you think you are to stand in judgment? And then comes our text in verses 13 to 16. But before I read it, jump over and go to the next paragraph, chapter 5. Come now. And that phrase, come now, is identical to this come now at the beginning of 4.13. That's the only two places in James where this word age occurs. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of your laborers who mowed in your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So he is really angry at the rich who have exerted their power and abused their power over those who were their laborers in the fields. So now, sandwiched in there is our text. Come now, you who say, He's going to contrast it with, you ought to say. So two ways of saying. You could say this or could say this. So come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. That's all. That's all he said. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, instead of saying this, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, You boast. Here's the issue of the whole unit. You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Father, as we look at this, oh God, I pray for myself, I pray for those who are with me in this, 
kill our pride. Find it everywhere, Lord. Find every vestige of it and put it to death. Oh, that we might be humble people. Teach us what elements of humility and pride we are to see here. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's their problem? What do they say? Well, they ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live or do this or that. But what do they say? They say, today or tomorrow. So they presume to be in charge of when they will do things. We'll do it today or we'll do it tomorrow. We will go. They presume to be in control of their movements. Into such and such a town, they presume to be in control of their destinations. And spend a year there. They presume to be control, in control of the, de- the duration of, of their work. And trade. They presume to be in control of what they will do when they get there. And make a profit. They even presume to be in control of how successful they will be. This entire way of talking is presumption. They think they're in control. James calls that boasting in your arrogance. So what's their problem? What what don't they come to terms with? What don't they know? What are they acting against or in oblivion of? You do not know what tomorrow will bring. (laughs) You act like not only you know it, but that you control it, and you do not know it or control it. What they don't understand is what life is and who God is. They don't get it. They don't get what life is and they don't get who God is. So what is life? What is your life? What sort of thing is life? That's what this word is. What sort of thing is life? You are a mist, a vapor, a breath. On a cold morning, you exhale, and there it is. It appears, yep, I see it, for a little time, and then vanishes. So what, what's the nature of this life? One, short. Two, fragile. What could be more fragile than this little Vapor that's there in front of your face. Three, not in your control, right? You have no control whatsoever to make that vapor that just came out of your mouth last. It just dies when it dies and it's gone. You don't know your life. You're utterly oblivious and ignorant about the realities of this life. Short, fragile, not in your control. 
(laughs) And so you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And not only that, this is the main point. You don't know the Lord. You do not know the Lord. This is this is a statement of sovereignty. We talk about the sovereignty of God a lot, or you could say it's a statement of providence. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. What does that mean? If he doesn't will, you won't live. Meaning, you will go toward such and such a town, and you'll have a car wreck and die, if the Lord wills. Or you won't have a car wreck and die, and you'll make it there. If the Lord wills, live is a very powerful word. You don't know about your life, not only because you don't know how short and fragile and out of control, out of your control it is. You don't understand life because life is totally in God's hands. If the Lord wills, we stay alive. Every beat of your heart, the Lord decides. Every breath you take, the Lord decides. You are not your own You are owned by the Lord. He created you. He sustains you. He will decide the day you live, the day you die. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we should feel it and we should say it as a testimony to his total governance of our lives. And second, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. We may make a profit, we may trade, we may spend a year there or not, and God's will will decide whether we do this or do that. So it's not only our life that is in the hands of the Lord, it is our doings. If you do this, God has willed that you do this. If you do that, God has willed that you do that. This is one of the most powerful statements of God's absolute sovereignty in all the Bible. If the Lord wills, we live. If the Lord wills, we do this or we do that. Whatever we do, the Lord will decide finally whether we do it. And if you don't believe that, he says, and talk that way as it is Given the way you are talking, you are saying, as it is, this is boasting. If you look at it, you say, well, what's boasting about that? Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. How's that boasting? Because it's presumptuous. It has nothing of submission to the Lord's will in it. It does not come to terms with every breath he takes. It's a gift of God. Every turn of the steering wheel is a gift of God. Everything he does in business is a gift of God. God governs his life, and there's no trace of that here, and therefore it is boasting. And it is boasting in arrogance, and I put this word here because it occurs one other time in the New Testament, namely right here in 1 John, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride 
Same word, the pride of life. What is that? What is the pride of life? Isn't it? I have my life, and I will do with it exactly as I please. You and nobody else decides what I do with my life. It's my life. So get out of my face, God. You do not decide by your will whether I live. I decide. You don't decide by your will whether I do this or that. I decide. That's the pride of life. James smells it, and he calls it evil. So we're not God. We're not in control. We're not God. And we're not good. We're evil. And we should be, therefore be humble. Humble has two roots. One, not God. I'm not God. I'm finite. I'm dependent and not good. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Those are the roots of humility. I'm not God. And I'm not good. Now, next time, I want to answer the question, how do we understand the Lord's will? Aren't there other meanings of the Lord's will? Like, aren't there times when the Lord's will is not done? This is the will of God that is always done, it appears. If he wills, we live. If he wills, we do this or that. Isn't there another use of the will of God in the Bible? Let's see if we can sort that out next time.